The Lord give you his peace. Good morning. Um, I love this feast day of St. Luke. And uh, I love thinking about all of the people, the pivotal players in the early church. You know, we have Jesus choosing a group called the Twelve Apostles. We know who they are, right? Starting with Simon Peter, the first pope, ending with uh, Judas Iscariot, the traitor. And uh, there's certain situations that involve that group, the 12 apostles. We've got another group which we hear about in today's gospel, the 72 disciples. It's a different group. And, uh, and then as the story unfolds, we know, you know, St. Paul, like one born out of time, gets added to the apostolic band after his conversion. And, encounter with the risen Christ and then he had collaborators you know there were other people some of their names we know like in the first reading here um, St. Luke was one of those he might have been one of the 72 disciples he might not have been but we certainly know he was a friend and companion of St. Paul so St. Paul mentions him a couple of times including today's first reading and um, there's some things we just don't know about that era, but it's fun, or maybe fun's not the right word, it's, um, it can be spiritually edifying to speculate. How did it all go down? Like, what was the process, you know? Um, in the early, early, early days when things were just being set, the foundation of what would end up becoming Christianity or the church, uh, how did it fit together? You know, we have some evidence from the Four Gospels and Acts of the Apostles. We've got other traditions which later church fathers wrote about, you know, but they don't always agree with one another. But, you know, I'm always fascinated, like, how did it happen that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the ones to write for the Four Gospels? You know, we don't know the circumstances. There is a tradition that Matthew might have been taking notes even during the time of Jesus' preaching and that the original form of the Gospel of Matthew was in Hebrew, and then it got translated into Greek, you know, almost immediately, and then Luke and Mark were in Greek, and then everybody seems to agree that the Gospel of John, which is kind of different from the other three, would have come a little bit later. Uh, we're not even sure concretely of the dates, but that, that's a general idea of how it all unfolded. Um, and who are these people, and like, how did it all fit together? So there are a couple of words that we find in the gospel today, which I think are loaded with theological meaning. Can I point them out? Okay. The Lord Jesus appointed 72 disciples whom he sent. So the word appointed. And um, we find that same word even in the Old Testament, that there were people that God was appointing. It's a, it's a, it's a technical word. I mean, they, you know, they weren't elected like we do in our country, you know, where they take a poll and we can elect your leader. God appointed leaders, chose them and appointed them and sent them. Uh, those are, are very meaningful words that, that God has, you know, this is part of how God has been at work in the world. He's chosen, appointed, and sent 
particular people. It, uh, the Gospels even say that Jesus was sent by the Father. That's why he came. You know, he is the apostle of the Father. The word apostle means to be sent. And uh, Jesus then will say, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. It, there's, it's, it's interesting that this dynamic of God working in the world by choosing, appointing, and sending people is an extension of something that's in God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I've been recently studying Trinitarian theology in one of my classes, and I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole other world, but although there is one God, there is three persons in God, and you know this description of how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit relate to one another is the languages they're proceeding or going forth from. The Son comes from the Father, the Spirit comes from the Father and the Son. And somehow what's happening there within the Godhead of the Trinity spills over into creation and God sends his son. And then when Jesus arrives and he establishes the church, he sends official representatives, delegates, ambassadors, emissaries, is a number of words we could use. And uh, where do we find this dynamic at play today? Well, in a couple of places, obviously the Pope, the bishops for every diocese, you know, and a priest or a pastor of every parish, he doesn't like show up on his own, like I've decided to come here. No, you know, you're chosen, you're, you're appointed, you're sent. Um, and the same thing happens in religious life, huh? Um, that's connected to our vow of obedience. We don't choose where we're gonna live. We don't choose what ministries we're gonna do or apostolates, we are sent. So in your case, uh, if you want to draw the line of the authority here, you are sent by God through the ministry of your superior, your servant, Mother Lucille, who is then appointed in some way delegated to, to the authority that she's in by Cardinal Dolan, who's a bishop, whose ordination traces back in apostolic ascension. So it all fits together. Isn't that beautiful? I love the, uh, the way the Sisters of Life do it. They're, they're very explicit about the way they, Mother Agnes gives the assignments to the sisters. You know, like, they don't say, well, my assignment is, or, you know, like in the military, you get your marching orders, you know. The way they word it, which is so beautiful, is my mission. Everything is like my mission, and then she gives a flowery little description to each sister. You know, I'm sending you to live and minister at such and such convent and to, to live our charism by enhancing the dignity of human life and this or that ministry or apostolate. It's, it's kind of very intentional and explicit and biblical. I love that because that's really what's happening in our vows, especially the vow of obedience, that we in our lives, even if you're just a novice, we are being caught up into the coming of God's kingdom. Mm. Let's remember that, you know, that, that God is at work, he's real, the kingdom of God is at hand, and we are being invited to be a part of that. Um, he is choosing, he's appointing, he's sending. You know, we, we are on a mission from God. There's great meaning and value to what we're doing in our lives, where we're living, and our ministries, and whether it be uh, you know, the, 
the ways that we live our vows, especially obedience, you know, we don't show up in our own name to do our own thing, but we receive, right? There's a spirituality of receptivity here that we receive from the Lord through the channels of the structure of authority that he established, we receive his will. We receive his guidance, we receive his direction. We are, um, for the lack of a better term, we are empowered, we're sent forth. In some ways, a little of that happens at the end of each mass, right? The, the priest says, go, you know, go. You're, you're, every Christian by their baptism is being sent to bring the kingdom. Um, I love this little line where Jesus is sending them ahead of all of him to all the places he wanted to go. We could see that, sisters, in our own lives, that as we go forth in our day and, you know, we hit the sidewalk and wherever our feet take us, that in some way uh, we are preparing the way for the Lord. You know, I love that kind of spirituality. Prepare the way. Prepare the way of the Lord. That's, that's what it's about. That's what we're doing. And uh, so on a feast day today, like the Feast of St. Luke, it's one of these guys, author and evangelist, one of the, you know, Gospel of Luke, Acts of the Apostles, companion to St. Paul. He was somehow part of, of, you know, the early, early days of the church and that we could see those dynamics at play in our own lives that uh, we may strive to be faithful and to, uh, to march forward with confidence that we know who we are and what we're about and who we represent. Amen.